what did happen to the last ten? I ran away with my life fast forward, never turn back again. It's kind of funny that the more we pass time, the more we need to set the rewind. And 19 was the year I had to leave you, but now I'm seeing all the signs. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for being here. This is the Touchdowns and Ticket Stubs podcast. Uh, I'm Ivan, your host, and uh, this is the second episode, um, a week later than it was originally planned to be. So that's fun. But uh, yeah, guys, you know, like <laughs> I was—I was, I don't know how to like tell you guys this without getting like too personal. But like, there's a reason I have the mental health minute section of this podcast, or why I wanted to introduce it. It really is something that I struggle with, and uh, so last week was just a really tough week, and um, I can definitely talk about that more. In fact, we'll probably talk about it today with Tanner when he comes on, but I wanted to get a second episode uh, episode out to you guys. I got a lot of messages saying that they liked the first one. Um, I know it was super raw and and, uh, and a little bit, uh, you know, just kind of ranty, but uh, it was... I had a really good time recording it. I had a good time editing it. I had a good time uh, talking to people after they, they listened. So I really want to just want to thank everybody for taking the time out of their day to listen and to support the podcast and to support me and, and really like the Twitter family. Like you guys are so freaking awesome, dude. Like I've had like genuinely like nothing but good experiences when it comes to like in real life people. So many of you are so nice to me, dude. It's really, it's really awesome. So thank you guys for the support. Let's get the second episode going. All right, you guys, welcome back to the second episode of Touchdowns and Ticket Stubs. We are going to start off right away talking about college football. And because I didn't do an episode last week, I just wanted to like talk quickly about Utah's game against Cal and just give my impressions of how about you know about how they looked and you know how things went. And I, honestly, like Utah looked better than I thought they would. I thought they would win the game like they did, obviously, but like the offense came out, they looked somewhat cohesive, which is something that really we haven't seen the, the two games prior. Oregon State, the offense was just stagnant and even the UCLA game where we won, I mean, we won that off of defense. I, and the offense had a score, but it really, it really was the defense that was moving. You guys know this, but um, yeah, they came out against Cal, and the offense looked surprisingly efficient. I know they're going against Cal's defense, but Utah looked good, especially in the run game. 317 yards of rushing. Um, the defense held Cal to 66 yards of rushing. From I heard a stat that... Uh, that Cal had kept every opponent to, I think, 100 and something. I think, oh, what was it? Or not 100 something. It was like 50 something yards rushing per game or something like that. I could be totally wrong. I could just be talking on my butt right now. Let me see. Really? Anyway, so no one had run that much on Cal. So Cal's defense, their run defense is okay. Like they, they, do, they do a pretty good like job of maintaining the run, keeping it under control. Utah absolutely killed him. Jaquindon Jackson came out. He's healthy. Like he looks like he's he's finally getting healthy after the the Florida game, and that gives me a lot of hope because not only was he doing great, they had Sione Vaki, our safety out there, who looked like a missile. I, I mean, anytime he hit the open field, he was just gone, dude. And there was even a touchdown that he had where he like it was at the goal line and he just smacked into the defense and dragged them into the end zone, like. 
Sony Vake, Vake looks amazing. Like I'm, I'm actually super excited to see if they keep using him on both sides of the ball. But uh, yeah, I mean, offense looked good. Running game was fantastic. And even like the passing game, 128 yards is not like, you know, you know, blast your socks off good offense passing wise. But man, it got the job done. 128 yards. Mikey Matthews had seven receptions in that game. Uh, I think that speaks a lot. And I mean, even even Bryson Barnes, Bryson Barnes was 15 for 21, 120. He had all the passing in the game. Um, Devon Vele had a throw. We won't talk about that. But Bryson came out. He looked okay. Like I, I have some hope going into this game against USC. I think USC has a slightly better defense than Cal, but I don't think it's by much. So we'll we'll definitely see how it goes. We are not a good away game, away team. Like, uh, but we talk about that later. Yeah, really. I, th- I was I was impressed by Utah uh, last week. But let's let's get into this week. We have some top 25 matches we want to go over. I'm going to pick uh, two games that I don't think you should miss and then I um, that are going to be top 25 matchups. And, I th- and I'm going to pick kind of a weird one. I think I think that's kind of a fun thing to do. And I'll start with the weird one that I don't think anybody should miss. It's going to be Baylor and Cincinnati. They're none of them are neither of them are ranked. But Baylor has a three and a half point favorite. They have to, or, or uh, sorry, Cincinnati has a three and a half point favorite. I imagine that's just because they're at home. These are really two very evenly matched teams. Uh, Baylor did not look, does not, he's, they really haven't looked good this year. But Cincinnati hasn't looked that, all that great either. But I definitely thought they looked better than Baylor. So to have them at only a three and a half point favor is crazy to me. I think, um, I think Vegas sees something maybe that we don't. So uh, definitely keep your eye on that game. And then my second game that I wanted to pick was the, it was the, okay, hold on. It was the Florida State Duke game. And the reason for that is I think Florida State has weaknesses and I think Duke has a chip on its shoulder. Uh, I think that could be actually a much closer game than we think. Uh, If we go to the stat line for that game, it is, oh, well, Vegas definitely thinks it's going to be a pretty rough game to watch. Uh, it is a ranked game. I think it's, I think it's going to be closer than this. Florida State has a 14.5 point favorite. They're at home, so you definitely have more points there. But uh, I, I I just have a weird feeling about this game. Like, that could be totally off. That could be totally wrong. I think it's going to be actually a really good game. I don't want to miss that game. Okay, so for the last game, I want to talk about Ohio State and Penn State. Everyone's talking about this game. Obviously, college game day is going to be there. You know, you're going to have Lee Corso making his 470,000th pick or whatever, and you're not going to be able to understand a word he says, but it's going to be a great, great game. Penn State looks so good. Offensively, they look so sound. They scare me. Just like efficiency-wise, they look really, really good. Uh, but they got to go in and play the third-ranked Buckeyes, guys. This is going to be a crazy game. The Buckeyes are incredible this year. I, 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 I think that... I think this is going to be a contender for game of the year in all of college football. Don't miss that game. Okay. All right. Time for the Utah bias to come out here. Uh, go Utes first off. We got we got a game this week. Uh, last year at this time, I had totaled my car uh, on, on October 15th. I totaled my car in Orem, and I uh, called up my buddy who was supposed to meet me at the game. I said, hey, listen, I just totaled my car. He comes to check on me, make sure I'm okay. And then as they t- they're towing my car away, he goes, are we still going to the game? I'm like, yeah, well, sure. Let's go to the game. So uh, I we I limped into the stadium. I was sitting at the, t- the top, top, tippy top row on the west side. We I limped up there. <laughs> just 
lugged myself up the stairs and uh, I witnessed Cam Rising get the two-point conversion, pull off the upset against USC. That was a year ago. I'm worried about this game, guys. I'm super worried about this game. Utah is, I mean, they looked good against Cal offensively. No doubt. No doubt. USC, USC's defense is not good, but it's definitely better than Cal's. And just in the sense of how the athleticism they have, the speed they have, they got some ball hawks on that, on that defense. They're, they're better than Cal. Um, but they're not much better than Cal. I think that Utah's offense can come out and have the same sort of efficiency against USC's defense. So say Utah comes out and scores 34 points like they did against Cal. Say that happens. Utah's defense then has to stop Caleb Williams' offense. Okay, Caleb Williams, just just so everybody knows what he's done so far this year. Okay, Caleb Williams has thrown the ball for 2,021 yards and 23 touchdowns. He has four interceptions. I believe three of those were in the last game against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's defense was able to maintain him by making him sit in the pocket under pressure, not letting him scramble a whole lot, and putting that pressure on him. He was having a hard time. If, if Utah's secondary, who I think struggles sometimes against the speed of receivers, can just keep coverage long enough to let the defensive line crowd him in and get the sack, we can see that, which this is one of the best Utah defenses I've ever seen, ever, period. This is better than last year's defense. This is better than 2018's defense. This is better than, than 08's defense. I think this is the best defense we've ever had at Utah, just in the sense of like skill, right? If you give that defense, if, if they can just get to Caleb Williams, which it's so much easier said than done. If they, if they don't even have to get to him. They just got to pressure him. Make him make bad throws. Make him sit back and just do the checkdowns. If you can keep him to doing that and kind of throw, because Caleb Williams' game is to scramble or to scramble and find a wide open receiver down the field. We saw it happen all the time against Utah last year, right? Like Mario Williams was getting open like crazy last year. But you look at the Notre Dame game, you get pressure on Caleb Williams, but you, you even necessarily, like I said, you don't have to sack him. Keep him in the pocket. Keep him feeling that pressure. He throws the ball high. He throws weird. It doesn't spin right. It doesn't. He gets nervous in the pocket. Um, and keep in mind, I don't disrespect Caleb Williams at all. He was my Heisman pick last year. Um, and he's on the list this year. He's in my top five, top six. So Caleb Williams is a freaking good quarterback, but there he he is beatable. Obviously, he's beatable. Utah did it twice last year. The difference was Cam Rising was in that game for this offense. I'm nervous. Utah does not play well away from home. They just don't. That's just that's just a reality I've had to accept as a guy who's traveled to multiple games and watched them lose every time I travel. But I have I have another feeling that that Utah Utah's going to be ready. Not medically, of course, because they got injuries out the wazoo. I think Kyle Whittingham has a plan for this game, and I think I think he brings his guys in ready to go. If Utah can go into this into this six and one. Six and one without Cam Rising. Six and one without Makai Bernard most of the season. Six and one without Brent Keithy. Are you kidding? If that happens, that's incredible. And it should show you how good Utah has been recruiting. Period. It also should show you how good our freaking coaching is. You, they got to get it done, though. They got to go to LA and they got to get this done. I think they can do it. I think they can. But we'll see. I'll be watching for sure. So if 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 they can come in there and get things done, I think Utah can beat these. I think they can hold them to under 20, 28 points. I think they can hold them under 28 points. Has a defense done that? 
I don't think so. Let's see. No, they've been scoring over 40 points per game. They have not played a defense like Utah right now. They haven't done it. I think Utah's defense can do it. Uh, my score estimate would be 34-21. So, man, and, and, and I'll, I'll eat my words. Like, if it doesn't happen, um, I'll eat my words. But I'm a, I'm a homer, right? I'm a, I'm a Utah fan. There's no way that I... I come in here with if, if I was a, if I was like a hundred percent certain that Utah was losing this game I'd be honest about it even even if I am biased right so Utah can win this game Utah will win this game I love Utah go Utes Georgian fans I love you okay all right that's going to be it for the college football section let's move on to the next one All right, you guys. So this is going to be the second section here. We're talking about movies. I love talking about movies. I love talking about film. And I love cinema. And we're going to talk about a couple of movies that I watched, that I've been watching over the past couple of weeks. So it's Halloween, which means I start my Harry Potter watch through marathon again. And so I've been watching, I'm, I've watched through uh, Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone, and um, Chamber of Secrets. So, I love the Harry Potter movies, just period. I think that they're like, I mean, nostalgia aside, like, I used to watch these nonstop as a kid, right? Nostalgia aside, though, just like, the 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 way to utilize the quote-unquote hero's journey is just so well done in these. And, um, I mean, if you don't know what the hero's journey is, you should look it up. It's basically the basis of telling a story, right? I mean, you, you have an individual who is somehow chosen, or the chosen one, who has mentors and goes through trial and goes through all these things, has friends and and uh, comes out on top at the end, right? So I love I love the hero's journey. I think the way that the hero's journey, I don't think there should be a way that the hero's journey ends every time. I think that there should be variety in how it ends. I think it can have a sad ending. In fact, I think sad endings are super like satisfying. But Harry Potter is, I mean, there's the three trilogy, the three series of movies that do the hero's journey so well. You know, it's being Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings being my favorite movie trilogy of all time, movie series of all time. And I love the books, too. Um, all of the books for Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings are all just so good. So I'm already watching Harry Potter. You should do the same because it's worth watching. And then the other movie I want to talk about since it's spooky season, I've been watching. I watched The Village the other day. If you know what The Village is, it's, it's directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And it has Joaquin Phoenix in it and Bryce Dallas Howard, who I think is one of the most beautiful actresses to ever exist. And she's also one of the most talented actresses. She's a great actor. And so The Village is basically a movie about a village, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, where these people live in there. They, you know, live in a way that, you know, you don't have electricity, you don't have very old style way, right? And they essentially are surrounded by this forest that has these, the they call them the bad things or like the creatures. And the, the color red attracts these creatures. And they're very like old fashioned thinking. The way the script was written was so like, they really did like a play on old English and like simple education speech. They do a really good job of it. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is she plays a blind character who I mean she she's fantastic the way she plays this character. Very gripping. 
and Joaquin Phoenix also plays a great role. It's suspenseful. It's creepy. It's it's got a twist at the end that it's really really good. I've seen I've seen it before. I and and but I was showing a couple of buddies this, so I want to talk about the Village. So those would be my recommend if you want to watch a movie, uh, you don't know what to watch, go check out the Village. Um, I was able I rented it on Amazon, but I think it's I think it's on Hulu as well. Uh, so definitely go check that out. And then, yeah, make sure you watch the Harry Potter films as well. <laughs> so, um, okay, thanks. Let me, let me talk about movies. Let's go to the next section, which will be the mental health minute. So, thanks. Okay, so mental health minute. Sitting here with Tanner Miller. Again, I got no hate comments for your appearance in the last episode. Dang it, I, I would have been tempted to, like, process things with those people, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> start DMing them on Twitter, yeah. being, like, start f- just analyzing them and giving them therapy via Twitter DMs. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> no, um, no, it was, I didn't hear anything negative about you, I didn't hear anything positive about you either, so. That maybe, checks out. Yeah, maybe we should, uh, uh, I don't know, get, get some, maybe we should humanize you a little bit. Um. <laughs> But uh, no, I just, um, I thought last week's episode or last podcast was good. I thought we talked about a lot of cool things. I thought the audio was a little messy. So we finally got Tanner his own microphone. I feel very special and honored <laughs> right now. I think it sounds a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so mental health minute. Um, I've been going through mental health stuff this week, but. And we could definitely talk about some of that stuff, but what what did you want to talk about today, Tanner? Yeah, so there's a a principle in a lot of what we call third wave cognitive behavioral therapy uh, disciplines called radical acceptance. Um, this one kind of gets confused if people have heard of this before. Um, I like a group on YouTube called Cinema Therapy. You have a licensed marriage and family therapist as well as a a movie maker talk about therapy-related themes in film. And one of the the most popular uh, of their videos is about radical acceptance. And they talk about Frodo and the ring from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, Basically what radical acceptance is, is recognizing that... You know, in our lives, we aren't responsible for everything that has happened to us. There are things that are outside of our control, things that we don't want, things that aren't our fault, things that we don't choose, essentially. But we are responsible for managing uh, those problems, regardless of whether they are our fault or not. So the reason why Frodo is used as as an example is because he never chose to be a ring bearer. He never chose to actually carry the burden uh, and the weight of the ring. But he's a good example of radical acceptance because despite him not choosing that burden, he does recognize that it is his to carry and his alone. And he sets out to complete that task regardless of, you know, him choosing it if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is a hard principle to actually practice because in, in my experience with, with people who 
you know, struggle with like a victimhood mentality. It's really easy to find an easy way out or to try to find a loophole or just not to manage it at all. Um, but in many ways that actually makes it worse. You're not actually confronting the issue. You may find a good way to outpace it or to avoid it, but eventually like, you know, some of these problems, they, they can't be avoided. They have to be confronted and dealt with and managed. And, you know, that can be a hard pill for people to swallow, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's why, like, I like the, the cinema therapy explanation of Frodo in the Ring because he chooses to confront that burden. He chooses to carry it and complete his tasks. And he, he fails along the way. He needs support. We all do, you know? So that was something that I was th thinking about this week just as I was working with a couple of my kids and helping them realize that they didn't choose their circumstances. Sometimes like we don't, um, but they do have to choose to manage it. Otherwise it'll manage them. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where we kind of get into trouble. It's interesting. You bring up, I was actually thinking about this just the other day. Um, I look at, so I, I've, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder when I was, uh, 11 years old. I think I've had it my whole life. I don't think I remember when I was a kid, just telling my mom that I felt sad and I didn't know why and she would be, she was confused. She didn't know she didn't understand or how yeah. to handle that. Yeah. Um, but as life got, as you know, I became more of an adult towards, you know, 18, 19 years old. My depression was very, very hard. Um, and I felt like it was exponentially harder for me then than it is now. Um, yeah. And I think what that what that comes from is I ended up coming to the acceptance that this is something that I have and yeah. that this is something that I have to work on and not necessarily that I'm being punished, that God has given me this unfair trial, that life has given me this unfair trial. It wasn't that I was a victim anymore. It's that it, it is what it is. Yeah, and that's a hard thing for a lot of people to to come to terms with. Um, I agree. For me personally, like it was like, and you've seen me even now. This is a hard thing for me to go through, but I'm because of the years of therapy and the the nonstop trying to figure out how to live with this. I've come to a point where I can communicate what I'm feeling. I can vocalize it very well. Um, I can. I can take care of myself as in I can, if I start to feel really depressed or down, I know that I need to be with people. And so I'll put myself in situations with people. Um, I'll call you. I'll, if, if, if you're not available, I, I'll call my, my, my parents. I'll call my family. Right. Um, I know what, I don't just sit there and wallow in my, uh, my, my depression, um, which is something that is very easy to do. And I know that because I did it for years. Um, so radical acceptance is definitely, and maybe that, yeah, hopefully that's what you're talking about when I, when you're talking about acceptance, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully that applies to what you're talking about. Yeah. No, it's, you know, the opposite of that in this case would look like, you know, you being at that age and denying that you have it, avoiding it, you know, trying to skirt away around the reality of the situation. Um, and, you know, it is, I, I, you know, I can empathize with people who want to take that path. 
<laughs> Same. <laughs> because it is really hard for humans to reconcile uh, the fact that, you know, sometimes reality is hitting them in a way that they n- never could have expected or didn't want or never thought was even possible for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, because of the, the very mortal broken world we live in and all the flaws we're subject to, that includes physical and mental ailments. And when we have something like that happen to us, especially if it's chronic or lifelong or terminal or whatever it is, um, it is a hard pill to swallow. I was meeting with uh, one of my clients today. Um, she's a sweetheart. Um, and we were plotting her her life over the course of her years. And we were looking at her highs and lows as they related to her development. And between the ages of six and eight, she was about as destitute as it comes. She was homeless, out with her family on the streets. You know, she had to find food, get jobs so she could pay for, you know, like she was eight years old. <laughs> so along with what she's going through mentally, she's also not in a good environment to, to even no, so yeah, she, address what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, you know, she didn't choose that. Her, mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that her parents' poor habits, their drug addiction, put them out on the streets. She never, never chose that. Right. Um, as a result of that really, you know, long two years of of being out on the streets and being put into foster care into a, a new home, you know, she picked up on some survival skills that actually aren't applicable in her new context. They actually do a lot of damage for her relationships. You know, she's skeptical, kind of jumpy, untrusting, yeah. right? You right. know, and so part of her journey is learning to accept that, yes, these things in her early years were not her choice. She didn't choose that. She was eight. She isn't responsible for putting herself in that position. Um, But she is responsible now for managing the effects of that critical developmental period Mm -hmm. on her life right now. And and, and, and she isn't responsible for doing it alone, Mm -hmm. um, but she has support. You know, you think, you know, we, we love ch- chatting about Lord of the Rings. It's one of our favorite topics, greatest, right? Greatest movie it series really, to ever it exist. Really is. Possibly the greatest books ever written. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the relationship that Frodo and Sam had. Frodo had to carry the ring. He was the only one who could do it. That was made pretty bu- abundantly clear. But he didn't have to do it without support, you know? Um, I think that's where people sometimes get confused, too, is like if they are accepting their reality as it is, Sometimes they feel like they have to shoulder the burden by themselves. And this girl has always felt like that until she was able to meet with me and actually chat about things and recognize that. And, you know, I don't consider myself a master therapist by any means, but she felt safe with me to work on these things with me. Right. And she has expressed that I've been the only therapist to really connect with her. And that's great. But, you know, she recognizes that she can't do it by herself. And rarely, you know, humans as social creatures, we can rarely, you know, carry these burdens by ourselves. We need support. It's kind of mm-hmm. the, our design, you know. We'll go back to, go back to Lord of the Rings. Right. Look what happened to Frodo when he rejected the help that was with him. When he pushed Sam away uh, as they're climbing to uh, to Kirith Ungol. Yeah. Right. They're 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 climbing the staircase with Gollum. And the second he has an opportunity 
to give in to the trials that he is currently bearing and push away the help that's being offered to him. Uh, he ends up paralyzed. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. He ends up paralyzed, stabbed by a spider. Yeah. And, uh, and he was terrified. Without that help, he doesn't yeah. get forward. So with I think that applies so well to when we are going through things and we're carrying these burdens. You cannot reject the help. You cannot not don't not search for the help. Right. You know, like um, so I I would ask you I would ask you this. What can so some some maybe someone's listening to this podcast and they're carrying a heavy burden. Right. Um but they don't have anyone in direct contact that that does help. Um do you uh what would you recommend they do? Good question. So depending on the context, you know, if people really are feeling alone, they don't have family or friends or anyone like that to help. Um, there's actually a pretty good resource. Uh, it's an app, actually. It's called Find Help, <laughs> and they can find help. I I'll take a sponsorship anytime. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, but anyway, but yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, Find Help. Go to the app store, click find help, and you can have access to a myriad of sources. All you do is type in your zip code. Um, you can look for healthcare, mental health care, food, housing, legal assistance. Like there's a lot of options. And so um, that should help you get connected with professionals for your specific needs. Because not everyone is listening to this looking for mental health help. They might be actually just needing to find a job or affordable housing assistance or yeah. uh, you know, managing their finances better, whatever that is. They also them. might be listening just in the dire need of Ivan's college football opinions. You know, yeah, they're like, Can we skip this part, please? You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the last part. <laughs> okay. So they if they're if they're done listening, they've already turned off the podcast. Oh yeah, right okay, now. that makes sense. <laughs> I'm glad that I got to fill in the last spot. But <laughs> well, yeah, this I, I do the mental health bit uh last because i i um not that it's least important by any means but if someone really needs the help they know it's at the end yeah and i want them to be able to sit and focus on all of it without the college football stuff (laughs) afterwards i'd like you know i'd like them to i'd like i'd like the effects to sit i like i like the way that was phrased you know i'm the cherry on top we are we are having this discussion you know last but absolutely not least exactly okay so yeah no that's you know, going back to that find help resource, that's a great free resource that everyone can have access to if they have a smartphone and whatnot. And um, that can help you connect with somebody if you really don't have any resources. Mm. Now, obviously, if you feel close to family or friends, I don't think it does any good to uh, really sugarcoat things with people that you trust. Yeah. Um, if you're not doing well, I think it's okay to kind of lift the the mask or the facade that so many of us carry and actually say, Hey, um, things aren't great right now. And, you know, asking for help now as a professional, I'll always advocate that those who, you know, are really struggling, if it's impacting their relationships, their job, their ability to do school, basically if anything mental health related is getting in the way of your day to day living, that's when a professional should be sought out. Not everyone needs to see a professional. I don't think. I don't think that's a. Requ- I don't think everyone needs to per se. Um, but for those who are legitimately struggling on a day to day basis, it's important. I've heard that. I've heard people say that like 
everybody needs a therapist or everyone needs therapy. I don't think that's true. I think everyone just needs to communicate what they're feeling. Yeah. Like if you would just, I feel like a lot of people would be in a happier spot if we could just express ourselves right. a little bit with our words right. and not, not with violent action or, you know, yelling or anything like that. Right. I feel like, uh, I feel like that's just super important to human development in general. So it is. And you know, in a lot of collectivistic cultures, like in Asia, for example, they don't have a lot of therapists. They have people they can chat with. Mm-hmm. In America, you know, <laughs> we're so, you know, isolated from each other in a sense that, you know, therapy is actually needed because of it. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, not everyone needs to. If, if you have a solid support system of friends and family and, you know, you're getting your needs met that way, great. But if there's something that not even they can provide or insights that you need or something you need to, you know, confront and figure out radically accept, then professionals should be considered. Yeah, um, sure. I think, uh, I think they can offer help. And my personal philosophy with connecting with somebody who can provide that support is you should find somebody who you can trust and who you feel is competent. Um, you know, when it comes to a therapist, I think you should have a good relationship with them. Um, it shouldn't be a struggle to just go in and be in their office. Like if they're not working for you, you don't have to stay. You don't, you're not obligated to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if you can find somebody who works with you, um, it doesn't really matter what modality or intervention they use. Um, that's not as important as the relationship you have with them. And if you feel they're competent. So anyway, that, that, that's just some helpful criteria for those who are maybe considering getting that help and not quite sure where to start. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being on here. Uh, just everybody knows Tanner's a Utah fan. Uh, Absolutely. So you can trust him. Is what I'm, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not, you know. Any, any BYU fans listening to this are going, I don't, I don't know, know about, about that, that guy. Uh, well, if they're listening to me, then, you know, they. I mean, hopefully there's some trust there. Um, but uh, no, uh, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and talking to us about, about this stuff. So, um it's funny, like, I just, I enjoy, I mean, we talk about this stuff away from microphones anyway. We right. talk about this stuff all the time. Um, talk about politics, we talk about everything. Right. But being able to actually sit here and, and talk to you, knowing that maybe someone else could hear it. I mean, one person hears this, it's worth it to me. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, one person hears it and it helps. So, um Awesome. Thanks for being on today, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate the invite. I always do. So thanks for letting me be the cherry on top. Yeah, we'll see you next episode. (laughs) Thanks, man. See ya.